welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, Clearedcast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, Secret Squirrels. Welcome to this episode of Clearedcast. I'm Katie, Editorial Communications Manager, and I have Jill here with me today for part two of our series on weird security clearance stories. So if you missed the first part, you can head on over to our podcast channel, our YouTube channel, the news site at news.clearancejobs.com. We covered accidentally working for a porn company, sextortion, investigator having a mild heart attack, and then recording conversations. So go check those out, but we're here to bring you part two. So look at all of our secret squirrel swag, though. Come on. I mean, I'm just saying. New t-shirt? If you want a tea, our newest addition to the Clearance Job Shop, you just need to head on over to www.clearancejobs.shop and you can purchase your Secret Squirrel Whisperer tea there. If you want a sticker, just email editor at clearancejobs.com and we'd be happy to send you one for tuning into our podcast So let's go ahead and get started, Jill. I think you're going to kick us off today on our first weird security clearance story. That is right. So first, we're going to talk about the clearance holder and hearsay. You know, if you hear rumors, what are you supposed to do with them? So this person, ELE, was the person of the blog. I recently learned secondhand about someone who is trying to overstay his visa. Am I required to do something about it? Does it have an, any impact on the clearance process? Which I'm assuming he's meaning, or this person's meaning their own clearance process, since we're talking about someone else with a visa. But really comes down to the issue of, are you being asked to do something? Mm. And it's already also like, you're he's contemplating overstaying the visa. He hasn't actually done anything yet. So even at, at that point in time, especially, you are not... It's, it's not like it's going to reflect badly on you. Like you're not sure. part of it. You're not contributing to it. And they're just thinking about it. And at this point too, it's secondhand sure. information. Like you, somebody told you and now you feel burdened about it, which it's great. You have a good conscience like that, but it's not like you directly witness something. Well, it's... Yeah, and it sounds like they're worried about the adjudicative guideline of foreign influence. That's not quite covered under this scenario yeah so just just know that if it's like coming from another person who's telling you the information that's going to be considered rumor and hearsay so it's not putting you on the spot to have to do something about that and get involved or any of those things so that's a good rule of thumb even like a, well I think it's also like even in the workplace like if somebody tells you like one of your coworkers did something like mishandled classified information, which, you know, that's serious enough to at least start to pull up that thread. But like, even if it's just something little, like it's, it's somebody else telling you something that's hearsay. You have not actually either witnessed it or have been told directly. So it's, it gets a little bit, like, I think there are some instances that could better safe than sorry to follow up on. Like if somebody's going to be hurt or something like that, but definitely be careful with the rumor mill and involving yourself in that. I think that at the end of the day, sure. that's really what it comes down to as well. 
So absolutely. And if you have any questions about it, or you have certain situations where you're saying to yourself, Hey, I wonder if this is going to be asked of me or investigated, go ahead and look at the SF 86. They're not asking questions about if you heard a rumor about somebody, you know, so right. you, you have, have a you guide ever been involved. Have you done X, Y, Z? All right. We got squeaky clean uh, security clearance applicants that are very, very conscious. Well, so next up, we have a stalking scenario. So government contractor on the blog writes, I'm an industrial contractor on a contract that requires a TSSCI with a full scope poly. My PR kicked off in 2018 and 2020. I had a woman I dated five times file a restraining order against me making false allegations of phone stalking. I reported this to my FSO. First off, that was great that you reported it, those allegations. The woman, you dated her five times, but at that point, it it turned into stalking. Interesting. So government contractor goes on. In March 2021, I went to court and the court had no findings against me, but I still agreed to do a 30-day no contact order because I thought that this woman would continue to make false allegations against me and use the court system to try to harden me. I told this to the FSO and provided them with the original court documents, which state that the court has no findings. In June 2021, I was at home and received a phone call from my employer telling me to turn in my badge and that I was not to report to work at the client site. It's now July and I was told my contracting company that my clearance to their knowledge is still active and I'm eligible to apply for other jobs. However, unofficial word at the client site is that I'm no longer welcomed in the building. It has been well over 30 days. I'm trying to find other work in the industry, but no one, no single person has told me what exactly happened. For instance, is there some red flag in my security clearance file now? What happened with my PR? Is it still ongoing? I've spoken with a few clearance attorneys in the Northern Virginia area, but none of them have been able to tell me what they think is going on. Their answer has mostly been, let's wait and see. Can anyone with experience please tell me what may be going on? Ha. So first you reported things to your FSO. That's great. That is the first step. If anything ever happens, self-reporting is looked at in a positive light. Going through those court proceedings. So if you were told to turn in your badge and leave the client site and you don't and you checked in with your FSO and you don't see any incident reports on your security clearance, you may have been asked to leave for another reason. You would see you would there would be an IR and incident report noted if there was a situation that was that caused you to have to leave the client site. So if there is no incident report on your security clearance file, which is now in DIS, unfortunately, you do have to kind of just wait and see. You can also try to submit a FOIA request. You could try to get a little more information from your supervisor, your direct supervisor. If you're supporting a contractor, you would talk to that supervisor and see why the heck was I asked to leave again. Like with Jill's story, you can't run on rumors. If the rumor is you're no longer welcome, unless that's official word given to you, uh, I I would take that with a grain of salt. So very complicated, but stalking. Make sure when you're dating someone, you're on the same page about what the relationship 
supposed to look like. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like she just wasn't that into you. Sorry. No. Um, but yeah, just reading up farther down too, um, it turns out the person that they were dating was a foreign national, which could have had something. Sure. I'm sure when he reported to the security officer, because there's court records and court documents for everything, that there's also records of that, which could be something else. Someone, someone comments like, mm-hmm. there's usually three sides to every story. There's your story, their story, and then the story in the middle. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. usually that's kind of, because I mean, when you're asked sure. to turn in your badge, something had to have popped up right away in order to be like, you have to vacate the premises, yeah. but you're not, um, it's a, it, you haven't lost your clearance yet. So until those types of things start to go through, it's almost like you don't really get to see all that information like you were saying. So yeah. And continue to, if your clearance is still active, I would consider uh, applying and uh, trying to, to get a job as quickly as possible. <laughs> Cause it's not like you're going to get Paid for back wages. Next up. All right. Job offer rescinded. So they've gotten their their job offer. They've gone through the whole process. And it looks like cryptocurrency, this is for our third story from our um, user APU, says he got this letter in the mail stating, Dear Mr. X, this letter is a reference to your application for employment. We have determined that we can no longer continue your processing and hereby rescind our conditional offer of employment. This determination was based on information that you provided us or was otherwise obtained during your pre-employment processing. There is no appeal regarding this decision. Please note that this letter does not represent a security clearance denial for a national security position. When filling out future national security questionnaires, standard form um, SF-86 application forms and related documents, you should note that you were not denied a security clearance for this application. So this is the only piece of information they were provided um, after they went through the whole process. And this user saying that the only thing they added in the process that they hold crypto as an investment and the position was with an IC agency. So they were just kind of giving a shout out to you know, future security clearance holders. They went through Mm. the whole background investigation, how to polygraph. It's unclear if they did not put the crypto investment down on the SF-86 and then maybe it came out later in the polygraph or if there's something else in there that the IC agency was like, no, but we're not denying you a clearance. We're just saying we're denying suitability for the Mm job. So suitability and actually getting... eligible for a clearance, like suitability is just the job. And some of the IC agencies are stricter with some of the background information, even if it's not, um, even if you can still get the clearance with what you have, it doesn't mean that you can necessarily work for some specific agencies, but that's not something that's easily known before you go into it either. So that's that, I think that's the challenge that a lot of clearance holders have found. But more and more as you trace, you know, foreign investments and cryptocurrencies, while it's not forbidden, it's still one of those gray areas that we've written about a number of times on our website before, which just said it can come back to bite some people later on. So it's just kind of hard to, it's an individual call, but it can actually impact you with your, with a clear job. Is it is it even smart to invest in Bitcoin anymore? Haven't those prices or gone down since? So I, I can't keep up, Jilly. You know, maybe until Elon Musk 
until he makes a statement on Twitter again about how great right. they are or something, I'm sure they, they'll come back up eventually, <laughs> you know, or you see like another company will start to accept cryptocurrency or partner with Bitcoin and then you'll see them come back up again. And then they start to, then they're, people get questionable. It's especially challenging, I think, because of, especially with like ransomware attacks and the ransomware being mm -hmm. paid through cryptocurrency, harder to trace and all these other like negative press that can come up, then you can kind of start to see them drop from there. So it's a little bit mm -hmm. more what I would get, like seems more volatile, but I don't study the stocks and the tea leaves and just seeing what's going to, you know, earn us, earn us some cash. So that's not my uh, forte for sure. So, yeah, well, with this weird security clearance scenario, anything involving being denied, first of all, know your terms, suitability, being denied a clearance. Mm -hmm. If you do receive a statement of reasons, you should have a little more documentation on why you were not offered a clearance. If you're denied suitability, try to get as much right. information as you can on why you're not eligible for that position. And tread lightly when it comes to investing in cryptocurrency. The morals of that story there. So next up on the docket. So uh, Fatal Ambition 16 writes, My wife is a cam girl and we have discussed making amateur porn in the near future. We would ensure that our faces are never shown by cutting out scenes and or wearing masks. I currently already hold a security clearance and a new one is coming due pretty soon. Not quite sure what that means, but I have no intentions of lying and I plan to be 100% honest. How will this affect my clearance? Will it get denied because it could look like a possible way of getting blackmailed? My wife will also be getting a background check for her job. Will this affect it at all? Thanks in advance, everyone. So making amateur porn, we've covered this quite a bit at the on the Clearance Jobs News site in terms of OnlyFans accounts. I think that was one of our weird security clearance stories last time as well. But uh, really, so he touched on one of the big things is blackmail. If you're in, if you're <laughs> ensuring that your face is not uh, going to be seen or you're going to be wearing a mask. The, I, the possibility is low there. You'll just want to make sure if you are getting paid for these things, you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's in terms of the IRS because those types of financial issues can come back to bite you in the behind. If it's a legitimate you know, job that you're getting paid for, there isn't a huge worry there. But yeah, blackmail, that's coercion. That's probably more of the concern. And then depending on the site that you're hosting this amateur porn on, VHS tapes are no longer here. So uh, yeah, you have to worry about the cybersecurity piece of it. Yeah, I did see the flip side, like the devil's advocate, I guess, for covering of the face is that like you don't want to be known. You're trying to hide something from family and friends. So it could almost look worse that you are trying to cover up as well but then there's also like it's a side hustle so <laughs> you have the income to report with the irs and just there's a lot to manage with that because financial considerations are also a major impact on um maintaining your clearance or just obtaining it in the first place so um tracing where that money's coming from 
might even get you some cryptocurrency, like, you know, where you can't trace who who's paying you, that kind of thing. Um, so you, you just kind of can wind up with a lot of different scenarios that you are in the gray zone a lot uh, with things that could go wrong with your security clearance. So yeah, it's just a lot to keep in mind with maybe make Amazon deliveries for the side mess. Make sure that if you have tattoos, you have those covered. If you're wearing, no wearing secret squirrel masks either. We, we only produce clean content. <laughs> yeah, so amateur porn. Of course, that made the list. What's up next, Jilly? All right, last one. Number five, contacting investigators who don't want to be contacted. And this is really more about whistleblowing. Um, this is a little bit of a long one, but Joe Boston writes, I was employed by a major defense contractor for from 2013 to 2020. So a good longtime employee. I observed serious classified security vulnerabilities. Can't say that word today. And reported them to my employer. The FSO and his security team ignored my concerns. This went on for years, and eventually I was forced to escalate my concerns to the Defense Counterintelligence, Counterintelligence Security Agency, so DCSA. And then in the process of the investigation, DCSA disclosed his identity to his employer because um, they had to interview people. He says, I was subjected to retaliation by the FSO, my security manager, and my IT manager. So I filed a whistleblower reprisal complaint. Shortly thereafter, I learned that all three of them were engaged in an activity to bring about the revocation of my clearance. So prior to learning I was a whistleblower, security told me there was no top secret classified work at my location. I informed my employer in writing that even if the work existed, I did not want to be adjudicated for a top secret clearance and would not perform top secret work for them. Um, he felt their classified security program was abysmal, in his words. However, after learning I was the whistleblower, my FSO revoked my access to classified work, flagged my JPASS record, then submitted a request for the government to elevate my clearance to the top secret level. Um, and I was contacted by an investigator, provided a long list of character references. As far as I know, she didn't speak to any of them. Instead, she spoke to my FSO, who provided her with fake adverse information. He then arranged for her to meet with the security manager and the IT manager, who were also subjecting me to retaliation. They also provided fake adverse information to the investigator. I learned about this plot to bring about the revocation of my clearance through FOIA requests. I have seen the fake adverse information the three managers provided to the investigator. I have no reason to believe the investigator knows that she was lied to. She is probably unaware that my employer is trying to manipulate uh, the CAF into revoking my clearance. I have two, and then he wants to know, do I have a right to contact the investigator and refute the adverse information that was given? If so, how do I do this? Her name has been replaced by a number on the documents. Um, any advice would be great. Because I'm sure that would be helpful because it's definitely a sticky situation of somebody who tries to do the right thing when they see um, classified information being mishandled and then they're retaliated in the process. And then the interesting tactic was um, when they like if you if you, he already seems to have had a secret um secret clearance. So when they put you forward for a top secret, if you lose, if you do, if you are not, if you're denied a top secret, you lose your secret clearance. Like it's not like, oh, I couldn't get a top secret. So now I'll just rest back on my secret. Like you lose your job. And so he would lose his job right. in that whole process. Um, so the hard thing is, is that he has a lot of 
steps to go through with even though he's contacted HR as well, he's contacted the security officer, feels ganged up on. Um, I don't think this is all the time the norm. I think a lot of times when companies find they're mishandling classified information, they want to do the right thing. Um, but there are some who will probably try to protect their own um, and try to make sure that they don't they don't become under like come under scrutiny for um, doing things the wrong way. And so obviously once he went over their heads to DCSA because they weren't listening to him, it just escalated really quickly when they were contacted. Um, especially if you're in a smaller program, like in, and like DCSA comes back and talks to the FSO, they're like, well, there's like 10 people and we already know who's already raised a concern. So (laughs) it has to be this person. Um, and so I think definitely looking into your options of how to go about doing that so that you don't lose your job because in his saying he's lost his ability to even protect or, um, help support classified work in a way that actually handles it correctly. Uh, I will say you should not reach out directly to the Mm -hmm. investigator. I think just given the context of the situation that may uh, come off a little bit stalkerish. Yeah. So uh, just if if you, all the documentation you have gather that together uh, consult with an attorney um, if you feel that you were, you know, wrongfully let go. Yeah, do not reach out, start dialing random numbers or reach out directly to people within the process. I think that's something that you should not be doing. Because at some point you start to lose credibility and sound like a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, even if it is true, optics are still a thing. Yeah, and sometimes it might just be a matter of getting it to the right person. Like you might have to go to your senator or go like kind of try to go, think through different avenues to um, ask for help and advocate for yourself. Um, but yeah, def- stalking is not one of them. Sure. So don't fall <laughs> into that class. And really the background inv- investigator also is just gathering all the intel. They're not going to be the ones that make the, that decision. So that decision is already resting in someone mm-hmm. else's hands, not theirs. So it kind of is a lost cause to reach out to them. It just adds more weirdness about you to them so wrong messaging well yeah those are tales security clearance stories from the clearance jobs blog so cryptocurrency think before you start to invest if you are interested in a security clearance career or think you'll be in the future amateur porn if you're thinking about doing it don't (laughs) or think before just think before you do it think about the consequences but yeah and then a, right. a couple of stalkers that we had today so try to avoid that behavior maybe think maybe ask ask dial dial in a friend see if your behavior is coming off as a little bit stalker ish so the, that's the advice from the clearance jobs editorial team folks for more information, you can always visit news.clearancejobs.com. And if you ever have a story that you want to submit to the editorial team, you can email us at editor at clearancejobs.com.